Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Joel Hudson. I'm the worship pastor here at Rolling Hills Nashville. These past few weeks, we've been in our series, Christmas, The Supporting Cast. You may have heard the story of the Magi or the three kings who came bearing gifts for baby Jesus in the past, but today we wanna take a closer look at the significance of the Magi coming to see the Messiah. Their presence is such an important part of the Christmas story as we can learn from the sacrifice, the humility, and the generosity of their gifts and their arrival. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Well, good morning. I want to thank Pastor Jacob for being here this morning. Uh, and I'll pray for you and your envy of my um, football team. Uh, he pulls for the he pulls for Mississippi State. So that's I mean I, we you know we look we look in sorrow and, and we love even uh, even those who pull for teams such as that. So. Um, but I, I appreciate him being here this morning. And if you are interested in, in uh, learning more about, if you're not saying that you're going to go on a trip, uh, but if you're just interested in learning more about uh, what, it, what, look, what it looks like to go uh, to Moldova and spend some time with um, Rolling Hills uh, and our international mission trip stuff, we'd love for you just to check that out. It's going to be a short meeting right afterwards uh, in the gym area. We've got a space set up for us and we'd... Um, We'd love for you to be a part of that. I am going, I think in July is the trip that I'm going on. So uh, if you want to join me on that trip, uh, it'll be awesome. We'll have a great time as we, as we uh, do some awesome stuff over there. I'm, I'm going to stop talking and stop saying awesome. So let's, um, let's jump in. We've, uh, we've been working through uh, over the past several weeks, a series uh, talking about the supporting cast. Those, not the main individual, not Jesus in the story of Christmas. Actually, that we're going to really focus in on him on Christmas Eve. But the supporting cast, the people that are, maybe we don't know so much about in this story of Christmas. And uh, week one, we talked about we read through the genealogy of Jesus and we learned from that genealogy that Jesus had a pretty messed up family tree, right? And, and from that, we learned this truth and we were encouraged that, that God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect purpose. What an incredible reality for all of us, even this morning as we gather, just to be reminded that we as the imperfect people, that he uses us, that we get invited into that story. Week two, we looked at a, at a man named Simeon, who was a faithful man, uh, was, a, was a, in the temple, just a, a, a godly man who loved Jesus and who, who loved and was waiting for the Messiah. And we learned in his story that peace comes when we meet Jesus. That as he waited and was longing for Christ's coming, when he met Jesus, he found the peace that he was longing for. Last week, we turned to just a little bit down the line in that. Anna it was a lady that was in the temple with, uh, with Simeon. Uh, and, and in the temple there, she was also faithful throughout her years. And we learned there that faithfulness produces a heart of gratitude and compels us to share the good news of Jesus' coming. And this week... We're going to look at another uh, supporting cast, and maybe this is one that is, I don't, I don't feel like we're as, we may know a little more about these guys, right? Or maybe we think we know a little more about uh, the wise men or the magi that visited Jesus, Mary, and Joseph uh, in, in their home after his birth. And so we're going to, we're going to look through that and read the, the first couple of verses, uh, or the first 11 or 12 verses uh, here of this story in Matthew chapter 2. And so if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there. And from this, if you have your worship guide, you can, you can kind of write this in. Our main point, the thing that we're going to look at and focus over the next several minutes together, is that wisdom, that the wisdom of the wise men, excuse me, the wisdom of the wise men teaches us that Jesus is worthy. The wisdom of the wise men teaches us that Jesus is 
is worthy. So if you have your Bibles, let's jump in to Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star, it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard of this and was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him, and when he had called together all the people, people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. This is a prophet that was spoken, a prophet that, prophecy spoken long ago in verse 6. It says, but you, O Bethlehem in Judea, land of Judea, are by no means the least among rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. In verse 7, when Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child so as to find him and report to me so that I too may go worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming into the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And when they opened the treasure, and they opened the treasures and presented to him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by a different route. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the time that we get to come together and sing and celebrate the fact that you have come. And God, I thank you that you've built into our lives this rhythm of remembering that each year we come back to this story with such intentionality to be reminded that you came, that into our brokenness, into the darkness, you came. And you didn't come just to look around and see what was happening. God, you knew what was happening and you came to free us. And God, I pray that as we walk through the story and listen and, and learn more about the different individuals that play supporting roles in this whole story, God, that you would teach us, that you would open our eyes to see and our minds to understand, our ears to hear, God, what your word has for us. And that we would learn from the wisdom of these wise men, these magi that came to visit you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the wisdom of the wise men teaches us that Jesus is worthy. And there's five ways that I want to kind of work through that. But as I was preparing this week, you know, there was a book that came to mind as I was just kind of reading through and studying over the past little while, getting ready for this week. And maybe you recognize the name, the title of the book. It says that the book is called All I Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Right? Anybody know that, that book? And, and it, like, it lists all these incredible things that, that we did learn. And one, one of the things that it, I looked back on, it, it talks about taking naps. And I, and I feel like I've, I've done a disservice to naps. Like I've been rude to naps. And I need to go back and apologize and take more of those. Uh, but it, we learned all the things that we needed to know, we learned in, in, in kindergarten. And honestly, by kindergarten, I would have told you that I, know, I knew most of, if not all, of the story of the wise men. I knew all about it. I could, I, could, I could tell you all about the things that the wise men had done and where they'd come from. I mean, children's choir and the felt board, Sunday school time had covered it all. If you weren't raised Southern Baptist, you don't know the felt board situation, uh, but it was awesome, uh, these you know, guys that showed up there. But the reality is that we don't really know a whole lot about the Magi, these wise men. 
The truth is, when you really kind of dig in, we don't really know a whole lot about it. So before we get to the reasons why Jesus is worthy that I think that we can see in this passage, I just kind of want to ask a few questions like, when? When did these guys show up? I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to cause a brawl here and ruin your Christmas if I let you know that the wise men were more than likely, they weren't, not at the nativity when Jesus was born. Right, like we can we can tell just by some of the things that we read in the passage. Like this is one of those things that we can know. We don't know when they came, but we can know that they probably they weren't were not there in, in our nativity scenes. It's good to put them up there, right? And I'm not telling you to go kick the guys out or put them on the other side of the yard. It's not that kind of situation. I'm just saying they pro- they weren't there. And we know it because if you look in the passage, it tells us that the, the conversations, they go to Herod and they have the conversations. And it was about two years that they had seen his response is the, is they, he wants to do what he, what he does in response to that is, is eliminate kids or boys under two years old in that whole region. So we know that it was about two years. We also know that they traveled a great distance. And they would not have traveled in a night that great distance. And so through all the things, we know that they were not there at that point. But we don't know when they came. We know it could have been up to two years, but it was sometime after Jesus was born. It tells us even that they came to the house. They weren't in the stable anymore. They came to the house where Jesus and Mary and, and, and Joseph were. And they, they met him there. So it was sometime after. Where, where are they from? Some of you are already singing the song. We three kings. Or, right? You're, you're like, okay, I don't know where that guy got that. Nobody really does, right? I mean, like most of us think that they're, they're, they came to Jerusalem, and, and, but it tells us, the only thing it tells us is that they were from the east, right? And I mean, the Orient would be in the east, but I mean, even if you think about this, the, the, the words of that song, right? The We Three Kings of Orient are bearing gifts. Anybody want to sing it for me? Go for it. No, all right. No, I guess not. Fields and fountain, moors, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Now that right there, just in the language, I would say that yonder means that they're probably from Mississippi. But, I mean, that was language that my grandfather used. So, um, no, but if you draw a line from Jerusalem or from Bethlehem due east, you would run into areas like Persia or or. or Arabia, or what I would say is probably the most foundational is that maybe they, they were more than likely from Babylon, right? Which would, would make sense as to why that they would even be aware of something happening as they see the star happening is because God's people over time had been conquered and dispersed into these areas in Persia and Arabia and into Babylon. If you think back, this is where Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Daniel and the lion's den, Babylon, right? That's where Daniel was, so more than likely, I mean, if you just kind of think about some of those things and, and you even really think about Daniel specifically, which is in my superior intellect, what I would say is they're probably from, from Babylon, right? Is because Daniel was called to interpret the dream of the king. Remember this? And if you remember the, the story, because the Magi, same word as this, couldn't. And then eventually Daniel was, was put head of all of those wise men over all of them in Babylon. 
which would make sense as you think about it. It's Daniel chapter nine. There's these prophecies that Daniel has. Gabriel, the same angel that speaks to Mary and Joseph, speaks to Daniel and says, hey, here's a timestamp of when these things are gonna happen. And so these guys more than likely could have been wise men who had been taught or learned from Daniel and been passed down their fathers and on and on and on. And so when they saw this star, they remember back to what they had learned. We know that they probably weren't from the Orient, right? But it makes sense that they had from the East, more than likely from Babylon, based on those things. And who were they? They're magi, right? They're wise men. If you go back to Daniel chapter two, it kind of helps us a little bit. It says the king summoned magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologists, because he, had to, he wanted his dream interpreted. And so if we look at that through the 21st century lens, we might throw these guys off as a sideshow, right? They're like a, a circus sideshow act. But that's not who these fellows were. Like if you think about who these guys are, I mean, these are, these are the most intelligent, the most learned and respected individuals of their times. Like if you move this into a modern day, this is the people that we're talking about. We're talking about the, the, the top scientists of any discipline that we can imagine right now. The head of NASA, the head of, of, of NOAA and the meteorologist, the head of the weather service and, and, and CDC and all of those. I mean, these are who, this is who these guys are. And you may be like, I don't respect them. Like, okay, chill out, right? Chill out. I mean, this is Elon, this is Gates, this is Einstein, Da Vinci, this is Newton. That's who showed up right here, based on what we can tell. How many are there? Anybody? Anybody know how many there are? We always assume three, right? Because there's three gifts, but we don't really know if there were three. We have no idea. I mean, here's what we know is that however many showed up, they caused a ruckus in Jerusalem. They got, the, they got the audience of Herod and then the people in Jerusalem were disturbed by it. Three guys on camels, I don't care how finely dressed they are, they don't cause that kind of ruckus in a city of 25 or 200,000. Now there was a caravan of people that walked in. Even if there aren't more than three, these guys would not have traveled alone. They would have come with a caravan of servants and people and, and all the different things that would have supported them in this long journey that they would have gone. This was a big group of people, 33, I don't know, we don't know. We know that there were three gifts and we know that they caused a disturbance. But the good news is that all the things that we don't know about them doesn't change the message that Matthew is trying to teach us as he writes this story and tells of these men in this episode in the Christmas story. Because what Matthew clearly wants us to know is that Jesus, who is the central figure of this whole story, that he is exceedingly worthy of everything that's happening here. Matthew's making sure that we know that this Christ who was born into obscurity, that that kid is the king of kings. And that the good news is that his coming is for everyone, for Jews and Gentiles, for those who were near and ignored him as much as it was for those who traveled from a long distance to worship him. That his coming was for them. And the first thing that I believe that we see, and you have your worship guide, is that Jesus, that these Magi teach us, is that Jesus is worthy of our attention. Jesus is worthy of our attention. There's something different if, if, we, are, if we take this, we understand that there's something different between paying attention and just knowing something that happened, right? There's something that happens uh, when a, a, a man has his first child. Um, it's, it, along with really cool jokes, they have the ability to ignore things that are happening around them. 
They know that it's happening, but they don't have to pay attention, right? Uh, I didn't understand this when I was a kid, but now I'm, from, I'm learning from my father. I'm his, his apprentice and want to learn from this sage. Is, I mean, volcanic eruptions of kids, of angry kids can go off around me, and I can literally know it's happening and not pay any attention. It's a skill. I'm not sure it's a good skill, fellas. I'm not saying follow after. I'm just saying it's a skill, right? But the reality is that, that, that there's a difference between knowing something is happening and being tuned in to what's happening. What, I see, what you see in this passage is that the wise men not only knew something was happen, happening, but it made them pay attention. They put aside everything that was important to them because all of a sudden there was one thing that was important. The star that had rose in the sky from the east that they, or in the west for them that they had seen was something that was significant enough that they paid attention to it. And if you have a little space in that worship guide, you may want to write this down. It says the wisdom is giving our attention to eternal and truly value, and to the eternal and the truly valuable. That wisdom is giving our attention to the things that are eternal and truly valuable. Listen, there's, there's a real challenge over the next several days for us to give our attention to the things that are really valuable. All of us are going to go through this. There's things that we're going to walk through. I have no delusions that we're going to pay attention to things. I'm not going to have any trouble paying attention to the smell of cinnamon rolls that some of you have ordered that I'm hoping burn so that I get to have them. So she has to make another round. That I'm going to have no problem paying attention to the cinnamon rolls as they come out of the oven. I'm going to have no problem paying attention to that last minute chaotic move of having to find out one, figure out one more thing to buy Rebecca because she's again gone over the limit of what we said we were going to do. And now I've got to make up for it. I'm going to have to pay attention to that. But my real concern is that I'm going to pay attention to the wrong things. My real concern is that in, the, in, our, in our culture and in a time where there's so many things that we could pay attention to, will I give my attention to my family, investing in my time and my energy in them because they are valuable? Will I turn my eyes to Jesus and lead my family to turn their eyes to Jesus because he's the one who is worthy of our attention? We, we find that Jesus is worthy of our attention. And secondly, we understand that Jesus is worthy of our worship. We talked about it a second ago, but it's really interesting if you think about what we don't know about the Magi, right? Because Matthew's not the most detailed of the gospel writers, right? There are other, there are other guys that give a little more details, but he's certainly not the least. And so that he gives us details and fine details on different things that, that, that happened in the stories. And so there's, as you think about it, it, it's almost as important to pay attention to things that he doesn't tell us as it is the things that he does. And in this case, he doesn't tell us who the Magi are. He doesn't tell us how many there are. He doesn't tell us how they were dressed, what their names were. And he gives us a detailed list of Jesus's whole genealogy. So he's not against telling us the, the individual's names of these people. Everybody else has a name in this, just these guys don't. He doesn't tell us their names. He doesn't tell us what happens to them after they go home a different way. He doesn't tell us uh, when, when they got there. He doesn't tell us about the star that they saw and, and, and other, than they, that, other than that they saw it and it led them to Christ. He doesn't tell us what it was. Was it a convergence of planets? Was it a comet? Was it a celestial body that, that God put in, in the heavens just for this purpose? We don't know. We don't know any of those things, but what it does say is that when they saw the star, whatever it was, they sought him and when they found him, they worshiped him. 
If it tells us anything, it tells us all these things that it does. It shows us all these things that really don't matter who they are, where they came from, what their names were. But it says this, that when they got there, they worshiped him because he's worthy of our worship. It does tell us that they got to Herod's place and this is the, the most important person in the region and in his palace, they don't bow a knee. But when they walked into this peasant, this peasant neighborhood and this peasant house, this good for nothing little town, and they found themselves in front of a child who was the ancient of days, who had just been, who had just come into the world, but was in fact eternal, a toddler who with dirt on his cheeks was the same dirt that he spoke into existence. That when they walked into that room, they stepped into that house, these men who were most, the most important in the most rooms that they walked into, they realized that there was somebody greater and they bowed their knee to him. And that's the heart, honestly, if you really just wrap it to the heart of this whole, the center of the Christmas story is that God came to put on flesh and he dwelled among us and he is worthy to be worshiped, worshiped by the poor and the rich, by the young and the old, by men and women, by Jews and Gentiles and over and over in the stories that we see in Luke and Matthew, it tells us that same thing, that he's worthy to be worshiped. Our culture, again, is going to give us so many opportunities and objects to, that are attempt to redirect our worship. But our flesh and our flesh is going to entice us to, to foolishly and selflessly think that we should be on the throne. It's what happened to, to Herod, right? He was livid that somebody else was going to take him off the throne. But the reality is that there's one. What Matthew tells us is there's one that deserves our worship. You may want to write this down as well, that wise men teach us, the, the wise men teach us that wisdom is humbly bowing before a king of kings because he, is, because he alone is worthy. That wise men teach us that wisdom is humbly bowing before the king, before the king of kings to worship him because he alone is worthy. Not only is he worthy of our attention and our worship, but I think the third is that he's worthy of our faith. I connected with this illustration as, as I was studying. One pastor uh, wrote, wrote this illustration or said this illustration, and it, it connected with me just kind of imagining as he was walking through it, imagining that on this trip, and it was a long trip, and we know that they traveled far, right? Not just from the song, but just the reality. They traveled from a far, a long distance. And, and so in that travels, there's got to be a moment that one of those wise men pulled up on his camel next to another one and was like, hey, Joe, uh, that's his name. I, I just told you. Um, hey, are you still good with this? I mean, like, this is a long trip, and we don't really even know where we're going right now. Like, we, we're following, but we don't know where, and like, is your wife still good with this? Because, I mean, like, I talked to mine, and she's a little questioning thing. Like, you can, you can imagine that some of these guys are having conversations, like, I don't know if this was a great idea. Like, are we gonna have enough food to get there? Is this, I mean, do we even know who we're going to see, right? Or maybe it was when they were laying down these great treasures before this child with no throne and a rundown house with poor parents in this podunk town that they were like, this is a lot for this little kid. I mean, I mean he doesn't even have, I mean, a throne, right? And it's easy for me to kind of connect to this, to this idea because on a daily basis, I struggle with the same questions. Is this really a good idea? Is this really what God called me to? 
I mean, I, I, I can talk myself in and out of, of trusting Christ more than I trust myself a thousand times in a given day. But the reality is, and, and I imagine that I'm not alone, but, but Jesus is certainly worthy of our faith. And if you have a, have a space, again, to write this down, that wisdom is turning, wisdom for us that we learn from these is, is, is trusting the creator and sustainer of all things with my everything. That this trip that they go on and all the things that they would have as questions along the way, that he's worthy of that faith and that wisdom teaches us. These men, as they travel, these wise men teach us that wisdom is trusting the creator and sustainer of all things with my everything. So it's attention and worship. It's faith and it's our gifts. That Jesus is worthy of our gifts a couple years ago, uh, one of my kids had been sick. I think it was the, they had been sick or one of them had had a surgery and with some friends come over and bring uh, this child a, a Nintendo Switch. Knocked on the door, walked in, we wanted to give you this. And I was like, that's a lot. Uh, thanks. I, th- I mean, but that's a lot for, you know, like we can't pay you back. Thanks for that. I, I mean, I have that problem with thinking it's a lot with my kids. I've never thought that when somebody gives me something, you could try me. I mean, you know, but, but I mean, I thought it was like, man, that's a, that's a big gift. I mean, he, he didn't, all he did was get sick. You know, like if I get sick, will you give me one? So like they brought these gifts though. These, these wise men brought these gifts because they brought gifts that were suitable for a king because he was a king. The gifts were a part of their worship. The gifts were a part of them saying that you are worthy, that you are honored, that you are king. And we say it almost every week as we gather in this space is that when we give, when we take up our offering is that it's not a break from our worship. It's a continuation because when we give, we celebrate the giver. Right? It's not a pause in worship. It's not a separate time of our, of our gathering. It's all a part of worshiping God with our gifts that we have. Even now, as, as we come to the end of the year and we talk about the, the red envelope, it's an opportunity to worship him in the way that we give. It's not only the things that we give and money and talking about financial things, but it's also being those who are created in God's image. He's given us gifts and talents and abilities that are also to be used by us for his glory. Hebrews, it says that all, all that we have is a gift from him. So why do we act as though it's not? And so we use our lives and, and our financial resources and our talents and all of those things for his glory. There's, and, and in this story, there's a lot of attempts for, for, that people have made to say that these gifts, these gold and frankincense and myrrh, that they have specific ties to different parts of Jesus's ministry. And as you read it, I'm, I'm telling you, there's like 10 different options. And so uh, maybe there is, maybe these guys had some idea of the different things that they were blessing them with. But here's what I can tell you that I don't believe these guys had any idea that they were funding an, an escape route and it's the ability for them to escape to Egypt. I don't, have, I don't think they had any idea that what they were doing was, was providing for this poor family to be able to escape Herod's maniacal attempt to eliminate any boy under two in Bethlehem. I don't think that they knew that that was happening. And here's what I also don't think. I don't think that you and I know more often than not in our financial gifts or the way that we give of our gifts and talents and abilities, the, what, the things that God's given us, I don't think we have a clue how God's going to use them. But that doesn't mean that we don't give them. 
We don't have to know that God's going to use them in a specific way for us to give. We give because he's worthy of them being given. He's worthy of us giving our time. He's worthy of us giving our financial resources. And he'll use them exactly the way that he desires to. But it isn't incredible to think that somehow you giving your time to a middle schooler could transform that middle schooler's life. That you giving to the to red envelope where all of that's going to go to, to playgrounds and redoing some things around here in the playgrounds. It, could it be that your gift brings joy to a kid that you would never have met otherwise? We don't know, but it doesn't mean we don't give. And wisdom is understanding that all I have is a gift from God to be used by God for his glory. Wisdom is understanding that all that I have is a gift from God to be used by God for his glory. And lastly, I think that we see in this passage that Jesus is worthy of our obedience. If you look at the passage in verse 12, it says, and then, or having been warned in a dream not to go to Herod, they returned to their country by a different route. Herod told them to come back after they found him. And that wasn't a suggestion that was an instruction. Herod is the most important person in this whole region. And so when he gives you an order, you're supposed to do that. But the wisdom that these wise men show us is that there's one that's greater for us to obey. And that for them, for, for them, it was obeying God was better than obeying Herod. And if you fast forward to the, just a couple, a couple chapters or a couple, one book or a couple books ahead in Acts, Peter's having a conversation with the, the Jewish officials and about proclaiming the gospel. And they say, you're going to stop doing it or we're going to, we're going to continue to, to attack you or come after you. And he says, listen, you can decide whether it's good for me to preach or not to preach. But what I'm going to do is what God's told me to do. And I'm going to continue to share the gospel. Listen, if, if we, like these wise men, were wise enough to understand that wisdom is following Christ no matter what the cost. And the reality for some of us, it may cost us something. It may cost us friendships. It may cost us, it may cost us a position at work because we decide to be obedient to Christ rather than do something that we know we shouldn't do or is immoral to get a position at work and, or to get praise or to get uh, something else that we wanted. It may cause us to lose something. It may cost something, but following Christ, wisdom is following Christ no matter what the cost because he's worthy of our obedience. And it brings us kind of back to where we started, inviting Greg to come. And we're just going to have a moment of just a response this morning before we take the offering. So, ushers, you stay where you are. This will be, we're just going to have a moment just for us to sing and to respond. What's incredible to me in this story as you read it is that there's a lot that we don't know. Because what's tr- but what's truly awesome, and we would be wise to take note, is that there is something that we do know about this story. And it's at the very beginning that in, as these wise men, as these magi, wherever they were, however far away, something happened that got their attention. A star in the sky. And for whatever reason, they knew that this was happening. They knew that this was significant. What we know is that the initiator of this whole story was not the wise men. 
They didn't just wake up one morning and say, hey, let's go to this random place long way away and see if something significant has happened. No, God initiated this journey way before them. And even if it is, just think about this, even if it is that he placed Daniel years and years and years and years before in the city of Babylon to raise to this point in the prominence where he would teach about this king that was coming and share it, and that would be passed down. God was the initiator even then. And for us this morning, I hope that you hear me. The wisdom that we need this morning is being reminded that God has started the story in us. That long before you showed up here this morning, God initiated this conversation with you. He began to draw you. It wasn't you that woke up one morning and said, you know what, I need something more in my life. God has been stirring in your heart long before you came to that point. And some of us need to be reminded that God was the initiator, that he drew us. And some of you this morning, it may be the first time you're hearing it. And I want you to know that God wants to have a relationship with you. And he would use stars in the sky to attract some astronomers. And he can use whatever he wants to draw you this morning. There's a lot of things that we don't know. But praise God that we do know that he's the one who starts it. And when he starts it, he finishes it. And he wants to have that relationship with you. What's incredible is that these wise men, I don't know if they knew that Jesus died on a cross later on. I don't know if they got word back that that kid that they went to the the house was later hung on a cross and they called him the King of the Jews later. I don't know, but I know that we know. We know the end of that story how much more worthy of our worship, how much more worthy of our attention and our obedience and our gifts is he because we know the end of that story, that that child who's the ancient of days is also the sacrifice and he's drawing us. So let's sing together just as a moment of of reflection for us this morning and, and then I'll come back up and close us in just a moment. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. And from there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and stay up to date on what's happening and ways that you can connect. We're thankful for you.